Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. To wake us up this morning, we're going to do some group participation questions, okay? So you got to pay attention and uh, raise your hand high, call out the answer if you know it. I talked to one person who went to bed at 3.30 a.m., so that was the record so far. Maybe you can top that. Uh, So this is a bit of a tough preaching slot this morning, so I'll try my best to uh, keep you engaged. So you ready for the question? Okay, here we go. This is an expected question. What are the top 10 most common New Year's resolutions? Lose weight is on the list. Exercise is on the list. Quit smoking is on the list. <laughs> Not on the list, but good idea. What was that? Family. Spend more time with your family. Save money is on the list. Drink more coffee should be on the list. Think like 80s love songs. Fall in love is on the list, number nine. No, and I won't repeat that one. Number eight, help others in their dreams. This is Mark's goal for this year, 2017, and I think you got the rest. Now, how many people in the United States do you think make New Year's resolutions? Percentage. 60, 90, didn't hear it yet. 30, Christie's the closest so far. Take one more guess. 45%. 45% make New Year's resolutions. How many people actually keep the resolutions through the entire year? What percentage? 8% is the answer. So 5% was the closest. 8% is the answer. Okay, now this question, I don't want to divide us as a group, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. What age group do you think is most successful in keeping New Year's resolutions? Let me give you two choices. Under the age of 30 or over the age of 30? I hear a lot of overs. It is under. Millennials are actually the most successful at keeping New Year's resolutions. So you guys get a bad rap a lot, but you, 39% of you will keep your New Year's resolutions. 14% of the rest of you will keep your New Year's resolutions. Thanks for participating. Well, today we're not really going to be talking about New Year's resolutions, but we're going to be talking about the subject of discovering God's will for this year. And in a sense, we're going to look at what would be God's resolutions for you this year. What does God want you to do in the year 2017? We're going to look at three simple verses that are going to answer the question that you might be wondering, what is God's will for you this year? Surprisingly, quitting smoking, losing weight, and saving money are not on God's list this morning. So flip in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 16. We're going to answer the question, what is God's will for you this year? So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. Three very simple things that God wants us to do today and this year. Here we go. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And how do I know this is God's will for you? Because the Bible says so. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to to do these things? Give us power. Give us strength. Give us energy this morning to hear your word and understand it. And Lord, we pray that we would experience more joy in you in this upcoming year than we have in years past. Lord, would you satisfy us in a, just a, an incredible way this year. And I ask for your help as I, I teach your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Three-point message, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. The common denominator of these three things that God wants you and I to do this year is they are constant. They are continual. They are things that no matter what happens this year, no matter what comes our way this year, God desires us to do these three things. So let's look at the first one. Rejoice always. What does the Apostle Paul mean when he tells us to rejoice always? He means that we are to find our joy in God in all of our situations and circumstances that we will encounter this year. So no matter what we face, rejoicing in God is finding our joy in the Lord. Who flew in a plane in 2016? Okay, a number of you did. Well, I was thinking about one time when I was in an airplane flying back from Kentucky. And like many of you, when you're in an airplane, often you're above the clouds And we were going over farmland, and as I was looking down on the farmland, and uh, I was thinking about what it would be like to be a farmer looking up, I was above the clouds, so a farmer would have looked up and saw a very cloudy day. From my vantage point, it was a very sunny day because I was above the clouds. Well, for the Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, in the ultimate sense, it is always a sunny day for a Christian. Because your sins are forgiven. Because the things we talked about communion are true. You're going to be with the Lord forever. And so though it may look from our vantage point like it's a cloudy day, cloudy week, cloudy month, cloudy year. If you are in Jesus Christ, it is a sunny day for you. And God wants you to rejoice in Him. came across this quote that sums up this idea nicely. Christian joy is not based on circumstances, but on a growing awareness of God and the certain future of eternal life with Christ. Christian joy is not to be based on our circumstances, but on a growing awareness of God, who He is, what He's like, and the future that awaits you. So in Christ, it is a sunny day for all of us. 
But if you're anything like me, at times we lose perspective. We lose sight of God. And all we see is clouds and storm clouds and lightning bolts. And, and we lose sight of God and we begin to sink in ourselves. Um, and ironically, when I was preparing this message this week, I, I took vacation this week. So I was kind of chipping away at this. And we have family in town, so I was excited for that. So I had all, everything done Thursday morning. And I was feeling pretty good about it. I was rejoicing. I just talking about rejoicing to myself. I was excited about it. And then I went to click a button, and everything disappeared of my notes. So all this was no longer except for a few words. And my immediate impulse was not rejoicing. I, was, I felt sick in my stomach. I got anxious. Then I went down the self-pity lane for a while, and I thought, I just wanted a week of vacation. That's all I wanted. And then low-grade anger, irritation, began to set in, and then I remembered what the subject I'm supposed to talk to you guys about was, which is rejoicing, which is what I was not doing in that moment. And that's a very minor thing. Think about the bigger things that we encountered last year and we may encounter this year. When they set in, it's like our eyes are covered at times, and we lose sight of the Lord. And what the Lord wants us to do is to see Him more this year than we did last year. All of these commands to rejoice, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances, in and of ourselves may feel like impossible commands. So I want us to think about this idea of obeying God's commands, but obeying with the help from the Lord. And I think what, what will help us is a verse from the book of Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So we're to work it out. Verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So, we're to obey God, we're to pursue God, we're to run hard after God. But the happy surprise in this is as we do it, it's God Himself that is working in us. So we do not do this in our own strength. We cannot rejoice in the Lord in our own strength. We cannot pray without ceasing in our own strength. We cannot give thanks in all circumstances in our own strength. We need to be more and more dependent on God. So it may feel impossible, but God will strengthen you and give you help. So let's look at a few reasons to rejoice. And some of these are taken from the letter of 1 Thessalonians. First, rejoice because you have experienced the power of the gospel. If you are a Christian, that is a cause to rejoice. Paul wrote this letter to a, to a group of people that came to faith in Christ in the book of Thessalonians. And they, they didn't grow up in Jewish families. They didn't grow up with the Old Testament. They grew up in the, the false god, idol-worshiping temples. They, they never thought they would be part of God's people. Listen to verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He said, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, 
So if you are a Christian, that, that's your story. At some point, the good news of Jesus Christ came to you in power, with conviction. You responded, and you were born again. And that will never be taken away from you. That is cause to rejoice. These Christians, like maybe many of us in the room, were lost, dead in their sins, pursuing sin, and knew nothing about the living God. Listen to this verse from 1 Peter. This is true of you if you are in Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So think of your past and then think of this present reality. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Do you remember when you were in absolute spiritual darkness? You were called out into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. No matter what happens to you in 2017, if you have turned to Jesus Christ, you have reason to rejoice. Well, another reason to rejoice is we can rejoice because it's possible in Christ to experience joy in the midst of suffering. We can rejoice in the midst of suffering. That may seem foreign to our natural minds. But listen to this. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. This is how the Thessalonian Christians met Christ. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That's two ideas we don't often put together. Much affliction, much suffering, much hardship, and much joy. God wants us to experience joy that is unrelated to our circumstances in 2017. That has everything to do with knowing Him more. Knowing more about Him. Knowing how much He loves us. Knowing how faithful He is. And when you get a hold of that, that beneath the sadness and the sorrow and the heartache will be a strong foundation of joy. James 1 describes it this way. This is a tough command. Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, count it all joy. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In God's amazing ways, the very trials that press us and squeeze us and make us desperate for Him are the very things that He can use in our lives to make us more like Him, to make us freer of sin, to make us a lot more like Jesus. And so we can count it all joy because we know there's a good God who is at work behind the scenes in ways that we could never imagine. So we can rejoice in affliction by the grace of God. Here's another idea you might not 
think of immediately. Rejoice that we can serve the Lord in the middle of our suffering. Rejoice that you can actually serve the Lord, not when your suffering and trials and pain is over, but right in the middle of our suffering. We can actually be useful, and maybe at times more useful, to the Lord and to bless others. Listen to this verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is the Apostle Paul talking about him and his team that was with him. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we, have, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much affliction. So they showed up having suffered greatly. The affliction was continuing And Paul continued to be a blessing to others by introducing them to Jesus and strengthening them in their faith. So another way to look at this is is this. Persecution, obstacles, relational opposition, they were not reasons for the Apostle Paul to wave the white flag. Say, you know, Lord, I'm done. I give up. I'm going to go play golf somewhere. I I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of being hungry and starving and having an entire continent of Asia hate me. I I don't want to do this anymore. He never did that. He certainly got close. He was like a boxer on the ropes at times where the count had begun, but then the Lord always brought him back. And so the very suffering that we experience can be a platform where we can really be a blessing to others if we look up to the Lord and look out to others. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in in all our afflictions. Why does he do that? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So the idea there is as we are in trials, maybe in 2017, and you run to the Lord and the Lord strengthens you and you meet Him and you are comforted by Him in a way that your words can't even describe, then you in turn can go and help another struggler and encourage them about this living God who can make sense out of chaotic, confusing, difficult times. So we have many, many reasons to rejoice. So make this your aim for 2017, to rejoice in the Lord. Our passage continues. Not only are we to rejoice, but we are to pray without ceasing. So if you thought the first idea was difficult, the second seems even more impossible. Pray without ceasing. You might think, how is that possible? Should we all, as a group, drop out of society, move out west somewhere, get cabins, throw our cell phones in the river, and totally disconnect from society, and be like modern-day monks and nuns and just pray without ceasing? Is that the idea that God has in mind for you and I? Should you, tomorrow morning, walk into work, Tell your boss, I quit. I'm going to pray all year. 
And uh, they might say, well, who's going to pay your bills all year? And you say, well, I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm going to pray all year without ceasing. Well, I don't think that's the idea. The idea is that we are so aware of God throughout the day, every day, that we are dependent on Him. That, w- that we really don't go far in a day where we don't lose sight of Him. We stay connected to Him. And you might think, well, I can't do that. Well, let me give you two examples of how many of you already do this idea. That you already think about something pretty continuously throughout the day. I'm going to give you a negative example, slightly negative, and then a positive example. So according to Time Magazine in 2015, Americans check their cell phones 8 million times a day. So if you put us all together, we check our phones 8 million times a day. I know there's a few of you in the room that don't have smartphones, but probably the majority, we check our phones. The average person looks at their phone 46 times a day. 18 to 24-year-olds actually check their phone 74 times a day. I didn't have stats below the age of 18. As age goes up, the cell phone checking goes down a little bit. But the idea is you put us all in a group, let's say all Americans, we check our phones 8 million times a day in a single day. So that's, in some sense, doing something without ceasing very regularly. Now imagine if we prayed 47 times a day, um, talked to the Lord 47 times a day, took our cares and worries and concerns to the Lord 47 times a day. Think about how different your life would be in 2017. Think about how different the church would be in 2017 if we all collectively prayed 47 times a day. Think about how different the Indiana County and Armstrong County and surrounding areas would be if we, in this room and all Christians in this area, were that mindful of the Lord. Well, you might think that that's impossible. Here, let, let me give you a positive example. I want you to picture a mom who is caring for young children. We have many in this room. So moms, think about what you do in a given day. So if you have infants and toddlers, and some of you have both at the same time, you love them dearly, and you are completely devoted to them. In fact, there's not much time in the day that goes by where you're not thinking about them, particularly when it gets quiet. You're really thinking about, what are they into now? What you're not doing is you don't sit them there and then sit beside them and just stare at them all day. No, you're doing countless other things throughout the day. You might be paying bills. You might be emailing friends. You might be on Facebook. You might be doing laundry, doing whatever. You might be writing a note to encourage somebody. You might be talking to somebody on the phone. But one thing you do not do is forget about your baby or toddler. You are mindful of them as you do other things throughout the day. That's, I believe, the sense of what God wants us to do. That as we do many things throughout the day, we never go far without looking up towards Him, without expressing our dependence on Him, without casting our cares on Him. 
it's good to have a, a time where you sit with the Lord and you read God's word throughout the day. It's good to do that. But the sense of this is this regular connection with God. So when we get snow, you can shovel your driveway. Thank God for a beautiful day. Talk to him. If you're a parent, you can pray for your kids as you're shoveling, as you're folding laundry. Whatever menial tasks that we have to do in a given day, we can look up to the Lord and pray to him. Let me give you some reasons why we should pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing because God hears your prayers. If you have put your faith in Jesus, the God who spoke creation into existence, hears your prayers when you call to Him. He hears your prayers. No matter what you did in the given week, if you are in Christ, you're covered with the blood of Jesus. His absolute perfection is applied to you, and He hears your prayers. James 5 says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Patty just told a story of how God answered the prayers of the prayer team as they prayed for her mom. We are praying to a very powerful, loving, kind God. And we can pray for huge things and we can pray for smaller things and pray for things in between as well. Um, Last week or the the week before, I was at the the YMCA picking up my daughter Lily for swim practice and Bill Bennett was there picking up his daughter Maggie for swim practice. And Bill looked like he was in pain and and he... uh, he said, you know, I've been having a lot of back pain. So I prayed for him at the YMCA. And then the next morning I get this text from, or the next evening I get this text from Bill. It says, Joe, my, my back feels great tonight. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks to God. God heard the prayers and had mercy on him and healed his back. You and I can do that all the time throughout the day. As you hear people's concerns and cares, Take that next step and just say, hey, can I just pray for you right now? And the Lord will hear your prayers. I became a Christian primarily through the prayers of one woman whose name was Marie Sprankel. Marie Sprankel will not be in any history books. Uh, Most likely she will not be talked about on Christian blogs or websites. She worked at the IUP cafeteria. And she was the lady who swiped the the eye cards. But every day she would pray for students. And she told me after I became a Christian, she said, Joe, you look so sad and lost that I felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for you until you became a Christian. So for an entire year she prayed for me. And then the Lord saved me when I was 19 years old. Nobody knew that she was doing great eternal good as she was just smiling and swiping cards. You and I can pray all the time. As you're driving through town, let's say a college student irritates you, may that provoke you to pray for every college student, particularly the ones that are most irritating to you. As you're you're in Walmart waiting in line, think this is a time, rather than grumbling and complaining, you can thank the Lord that you have a grocery store that has everything you actually need in life, and more, 
And then you just pray for everybody in line. Pray for the workers. Pray for the, the people that are even, uh, maybe they're, they're irritated too, but they're not keeping it inside like you are. They are, they are fuming. Pray for them. They, they need to know the Lord, and they need patience from the Lord. Just pray. May your eyes see the needs of all the people around you, and may that cause you to pray without ceasing. He hears your prayers, and he wants to act powerfully. Pray without ceasing because you personally desperately need him. As Christians, we need him. Another definition for a Christian would be someone who knows they are a needy person. We we know we're so needy that we need a Savior. And then we need the Holy Spirit's help every moment of every day to bring him honor and glory and do the things he calls us to do. John 15.5 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So if you want to be a fruitful Christian, it's not that complicated. It's being dependent on him, abiding in him, running to him, spending time with him. Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you and I, we need God at work in school, in our marriages, with our kids, with health challenges, with the pressures of life, with the sinful desires that remain inside. We need help with all those things. And God is telling us to draw near to Him. He wants you and I to be more like Him in 2017 than than we were in 2016. Look at 1 Thessalonians Chapter 3, verse 11. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. He he wants us to be more like Him. He's committed to us being more like Him. And so we need to express our dependence on Him. Ask Him to make you more like Him, and He will. Now listen to this. This This is so cool. When you come to God in prayer, whether it's in a formal way, you're sitting down in a chair with the Bible, or you're just doing your your normal things throughout the day and you talk to Him, Hebrews 11.6 is, is true for you, particularly the last part. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. So if you're drawing near, you believe He exists. And that He rewards those who seek Him. Your life this year could be filled with rewards from God by simply believing His Word and coming to Him in prayer. Filled with rewards. Imagine an entire year where the Lord is rewarding you for no other reason than you say, Lord, it's me again. I'm, I'm needy. I'm desperate. I need help. I don't know what to do. I'm out of money. Would you please help me? And he will reward you over and over and over again. He never runs out of grace for his kids. So last thought, finally, is 
Number three, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks as a Christian in all circumstances. Years ago, Mark preached a sermon entitled, Salting Everything with Thanks. Salting everything with thanks. Think of a a salt shaker. Everything you do throughout the day, salting it with thanks. When you wake up in the morning, Lord, thank you I have shelter over my head. If you have a car and you drive, thank you that I can drive today. If If you have health, Lord, thank you for the health to be able to get out of bed. I know there's many who aren't able to do that. Lord, thank you. If you have kids, thank you for the kids that you have given me. If you have a job, thank you for the ability to work. Thank you for a mind that is able to do this task. As you look around, there are so many things you can thank the Lord for. And picture that salt shaker. And may we be Christians that give thanks in all circumstances. We can give thanks to God for the power of his word that saved us and that refreshes us. There's a A verse in Psalm 119 that says, My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. This book is so unique that when you read it, you believe it, it has this strengthening, almost unexplainable thing that happens that you become stronger from the inside out. Not a New Year's resolution. I started before New Year's, but... I've been trying to do planks. And what, what, what happens is my body shakes and my body hurts. And it, it's pathetic. I'm, I'm the worst one in my house doing planks. But what has happened is, while it seems like nothing is happening, over time, and I'm looking forward to more things happening, is the core gets stronger. The first time I did it, all I thought was, this, this is, I hate this. This is painful. This is terrible. I feel no strength at all. And then over time, you become stronger. There are men and women in this room that are strong as oak trees spiritually because they have sought refuge in God and his word for decades. And it has made them strong. That's what God wants for you. It may not feel like anything is happening in the moment. But over time, you will grow strong. So we should give thanks to the Lord for His Word. We should give thanks to the Lord for His presence and nearness. Maybe you had a hard 2017. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He's near to the brokenhearted. Think if you are a parent or a grandparent, and you see a child who is just crushed and sad and crying, you draw near to them. You don't say, get away from me. Go go wipe up your own tears. You would never do that. But it's the same with the Lord. He says, come to me. I'm, I'm near to the brokenhearted. And run to him. You don't have to have your words correct. You don't have to have your thoughts in order. You just run to him. And he will tenderly take care of you. So he's near to the brokenhearted, and his presence is with us. Jesus said in John 16, 7, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's your advantage that I go away. This is what he's talking about, his ascension to heaven. For I do not go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We have the helper, the Holy Spirit, 
inside of us. You have him all year going into 2017. And he wants to help us. He wants us to lean hard on him in 2017. Much harder than you did last year. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What a beautiful promise. And then lastly, let's give thanks to God for his faithfulness. We have a God who will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 36.5 says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. So go outside, look up, and look up as far as you can look up. That's how far his faithfulness will carry you this year in 2017. So as we begin this new year, let's ask God to help us accomplish what his will is for you and I, which is this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray, and the band can come up. Father, we thank you for another year, another year that we don't deserve, that you have given to us. And Lord, we want to honor you and obey you, and we want to do the things that this, these verses tell us to do. So would you give us strength? Would you give us power? And Lord, may we take full advantage of one another this year and, and just ask for, for prayer a lot more than we did last year. May we be much more dependent on you and one another in 2017 than we were in 2016. And we can't wait to see what you do because you tell us you reward us as we seek you. We love you and we ask this in your name. Amen.